0: Mark Graven and Jamie Flinchball are two guys drinking whiskey while chatting about lean ideas, experiences, and news. Let's hope they hold their liquor because they're not holding back on sharing their opinions. It's time for lean whiskey, lean talk, with a fun spirit. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 41 of Lean Whiskey. I'm Mark Raven. Welcome, everybody. And we also welcome again... Jamie uh, Yeah, Good to good see you, to Mark. good to see you. Um, what's new before we get into topics at hand?
1: Well, we're, we're uh, heading into late August, which means it's, it's back to school time uh, in our house. Uh, I've got Two in college one heading into their senior year she she was here very briefly about 36 hours I think uh, between an internship and a and, and returning to prepare for freshman orientation which she helps to coordinate and uh, uh, my middle son will be moving back soon and high school starts in a week so uh, for my youngest so it's a gear up yeah. time
0: <laughs> Um. I don't have kids, so I was gallivanting around apparently without having <laughs> to do um, any of that. Um, uh, one, one quick plug in terms of what's new, though: um, audiobook version of "The Mistakes That Make Us" available now, Audible, Amazon, and Apple Books. Please check it out. In the recorded voice of five Martin. hours of me. I hope that's I hope that's all right. <laughs> Uh, you can pause whatever you like. Um, so one thing that was new for me, I, I I played a lot of tennis growing up. I wasn't great, but I played on the team in high school. I'm I don't watch a lot of tennis anymore. But the thing that surprised me when I realized that I had never been to a professional tennis tournament as a spectator ever. So here in the Cincinnati area this week, concluding in fact the men's final. I've got it recording. Um, between uh, number one in the world, Carlos Alcaraz, and number two, uh, Novak Djokovic, I saw uh, so the Western and Southern Open. So on third uh, no Friday, I went during the day. Friday, I took the day off. I got to see the number one ranked woman in the world playing a match, and the number one ranked man in the world. And I didn't know either of their names coming into it. That's how casual a fan I've been, but like you get that opportunity to watch somebody who is at least at the moment, the best in the world at what they do, both of them like that, that's a pretty cool opportunity. And and there were some good matches. It was a good time. That's uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever been,
1: I'm almost certain I've never been to a pro tennis match. Um, it's been a long time since I even watched it on television. Um, but for me, we are back into you know I call the real soccer season. Um, although uh, for those that for those that know me, uh, my my team Everton uh, lost four nothing this week and looked yeah. bad doing it. Um, so I may have to uh, uh, double up <laughs> my whiskey yeah. uh, to handle <laughs> handle the poor performance. It may not be a a pleasant pleasant experience
0: watching them this season it wasn't last season either well then you know i i had watched the the u.s women's national team um then i'm i'm that casual of a soccer fan i didn't watch any more uh women's world cup but congratulations to spain um on on their victory well earned
1: a well-earned victory they they did uh A lot of teams did well, but um, and I'd say all the all four in the semifinals really earned their spots. But I I really think Spain earned the earned the cup and uh, looked good doing it. So congratulations to them.
0: So there are changes coming up with the the coach resigned for the U.S. national coach resigned, which I to do so.
1: Yeah, I I just think it was good riddance. In major tournaments, um, he only won four out of ten matches, which is pretty poor for the talent he has to work with. So I'm going to say, yeah, it's uh, i I'm, I'm glad he, he did it himself rather than have to be fired. And the, the GM for the women's national team stepped down as well. So uh, there's some really good candidates uh, available. Um,
0: hopefully they take a little time and make a good decision. So they will have uh, a new experiment with a new coach and a new approach, maybe opportunities for improvement, And that's going to be our first little topic here before we get into the main lean topic around experiments, changes, opportunities for improvement, and and how do you evaluate them? So the first experiment, we've got two experiments going on simultaneously today. So first off, I mean, the name of the podcast is Lean Whiskey. And for the first 40 episodes, even the one time, sounds sacrilege, guest, guest, we drank gin. Right. But we've always done the whiskey first, then the lean. That's just been the, the way mm-hmm. we've always done it. Right. That's a dangerous phrase, huh? Exactly. It is. <laughs> um, it's just that. I just had a thought the other day, and I don't, I forget what it was prompted by. I was at the Michigan Lean Consortium conference. And I think it was like somebody, like, there are, you know, people will come up to me with more passion than the other podcasts I do. Of Like, oh, I love that lean whiskey podcast with you and Jamie. <laughs> and, you know, I've always thought a little bit about, well, you know, people who don't want the whiskey talk. When we do the whiskey talk at the beginning, there's the 30 second skip button. People can can jump ahead. We don't always give great guidance of, OK, if you don't want the whiskey talk, just jump to here. But the idea that I had and Jamie agreed, let's experiment with this because the name is of the podcast is Lean Whiskey. We're going to do the lean talk first. And end with the whiskey talk. So, if anyone wants to just bail out on that and stop listening, we we understand, right? Yep. Yeah. So
1: you know, it, it's an experiment. Um, you know, and and we unfortunately we don't have really good measures. Our yeah. variation, right, signal to noise ratio. Our variation of listener feedback, downloads, all that stuff from episode to episode is greater than. We could truly evaluate any, you know, any signal out of that, unless you all tell us, yeah. right? So we'll look for some feedback. We'll ask you uh, to to share your thoughts. I, I have already—I uh, I forget how it even came up—but had a conversation with one listener who uh, said, "Oh, I, I I love the so we're the, still the doing it talk." So yeah,
0: we're still doing we're it. Still we'll still get on to on it. Um, we're
1: not, yeah. You know, we, we are, yeah we're, we're not saving. I'm, I'm not going to sit here with a, a bottle next yeah. to me and wait. We'll just reveal um, at the so end
0: what it is we've been sipping.
1: What it what is the theme raising, So, yeah. And my, my wife said, um, I told her what we were doing. She says, sounds like new cook. <laughs> um, her, her, her implication being, are you, are you just changing for the sake of change?
0: Um, which is an equally valid, uh, yeah. uh, I'll say accusation
1: yeah. or, or or challenge yeah. to us well g-
0: give us that feedback though you can email me mark at markgraven.com. you can email Jamie Jamie at jflinch.com, correct that's correct, um, that's correct. let us know what you think um, but yeah I mean this is this is 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 there a problem right is there a need to try something different and how do we evaluate it so well we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more broadly but there's a second experiment going on where we have always recorded these through Zoom, which works mm-hmm. fine. It gets the job done. But I'm currently paying for a platform called StreamYard, where I've used that to do some LinkedIn live streaming, and there's some benefits. And we thought we would experiment doing this video through StreamYard. Now, I haven't even shared this with Jamie yet, so we can come back to the, the lean whiskey or whiskey lean question. I don't think there was a problem with Zoom, but I think there's an opportunity for improvement. And what Streamyard promises is, um, boy, they'll get to see you and me on YouTube in glorious 1080p. Which again, maybe that's new Coke <laughs> too.
1: <laughs> maybe, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean, when we, you know, I, I talk about problems being gaps, and at, at some level, our gap is to perfection, right? So. We may never close that gap, but you know you want you want every listener experience to be great. Um, you want every every episode to be as good as possible. And you know, even though this is something we do as much for us as for listeners, uh, there's there is always an opportunity mm-hmm. to improve. Um, and and you know, when when people are making product or service decisions around that, of course. Uh, you weigh up the need to improve without a true problem in front of you against the required investment to do so, right? And and the risk um, of a failed experiment. So fortunately, our right. risk is pretty low and cost us nothing to do these two experiments. So here we are right. experimenting. And, with and the, if anyone
0: doesn't want to see us in crystal clear 1080p, there's a YouTube setting. They could turn down the resolution. <laughs> I mean, save bandwidth. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, uh, I I think, you know, anybody that's in that category is probably just listening. But then
0: that's the other benefit or, you know, the thing that StreamYard and some similar systems do is uh, it records the audio and video locally on my computer. It records Jamie on on his computer and then it syncs up. So, like, we haven't been plagued by Internet hiccups, but if we did have one, Hmm. um, that, that doesn't affect the recording the quality should be better, but I think it's one of those, you know, again, like not a problem, but maybe an opportunity for it to be a little better. And it's a, a zero incremental cost. I don't know how long I'll keep paying for this platform. Maybe I don't need to be paying for it. And We go back to Zoom. So when you say the experiment was free, like that eh, kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, you were already doing it. So the incremental experiment yep. was free. Yeah. But I mean, you know, as, as author of most recently, Jamie, the book, People Solving Problems, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not able I, or I'm not doing a real rigorous problem solving model here. I don't have an A3. I don't have measures. Uh, this is kind of more like, let's try something and see... Warning, like here's a dangerous word of how it feels <laughs> as opposed to being data driven. Mm-hmm. Like what what tell what are your thoughts on all that? And I just mess around. Well,
1: well, so, you know, while we don't have great metrics for everything we do, we do know what the critical success factors are. Right. We do know that, you know, the ability to have dynamic conversations is important. Right. So doing it over, say, audio only. Very difficult to have a, a seamless conversation. We know that audio quality and video quality both matter, right? And so we know what the critical success factors are, and we know that you know there's 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 pursuit of perfection in the ability to making the critical success, success factors better, right? And and so just because we are we're not losing listeners uh, based on that doesn't mean we have a gap to expected standard, but we have a gap to at least potential standard, future standard, and so again, it, it's it's worth doing the experiment on. And again, from a cost standpoint, um, you know, unless people hate it, did 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 we make it worse? Did, it was it one episode. Yeah. You know, or, or is everybody going to unsubscribe oh, right. and give us a one-star review
0: all of a sudden? Probably not. They're not so. clicking thumbs yeah. down on, on YouTube, probably. If anything, please click thumbs up. Yeah. Um, small little trivia on YouTube. Even if someone clicks thumbs down, that helps boost your video because it, it counts as, quote-unquote, engagement. Engagement. So, um, yeah, we're not looking for thumbs down. So, but Um, yeah, I mean, I think nobody, if if anything, you know, I think experiment one around leaving the whiskey talk for the end, I don't, maybe that was a bigger factor where some people who might really enjoy their other parts of our conversation, never really tried listening to it because they were turned off by the whiskey talk for whatever reason. Right. That's a hypothesis. And we'll,
1: we'll, we'll find out something, right. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, I think there's plenty of with lean podcasts. There's yeah. not a lot that combine it with whiskey. And so, um, you know, just like we we drink as part of having a relaxed conversation about interesting topics, I think the, the, the doorway of talking about the whiskey before we talk about problem solving and improvement and learning and lean stuff uh, might be good yeah. for the listener, too. Um, so we hope to get you know, enough feedback to make mm-hmm. a decision, um, and, uh, and, yeah. and then go from there. Yeah. We'll Cause
0: I, I could <laughs> be guilty of like with the stream yard thing, well, I've got this tool now I'm looking to use it, which I mean, it, right. it, it works, but you know, back to that question of, will I keep paying for this, um, the other you know for the linkedin lives which i could also do through zoom so i'm trying to even remember why did why did i think stream yard was necessary or better there was a reason with one of the linkedin <laughs> lives i think you know that katie and katie anderson uh and i did but um yeah better could be voice of the customer determined it could be data driven it could be how it feels but like one other thing i saw recently um I don't know if you've noticed this, Jamie, but, you know, with a new book out, okay, I admit to going to Amazon and see, are there any new ratings or new reviews? Amazon's been experimenting. And I think it's in the same category of, like, I don't know if there was a problem or if they're just fiddling with things. But, you know, Jamie, you've probably seen, like, they normally show all five stars. And if your average review is Mm -hmm. 4.8, they shade in all five. Or if you have 4.2, the fifth star might be partially shaded. Uh, in in the app, they started showing just a single star, which is jarring because now it looks, wait, one star. Then it says in parentheses <laughs> like 4.8. It's like, oh, okay. Now they're just showing the average. And then I think this was in the browser where I'm getting these. There, there were different experiments going on in like the, the browser version versus the iOS app. On one of them, they were showing... Um, the percentage of five star reviews. Then they changed the experiment and then it said percentage of four and five star reviews. So they're they're somehow like playing around mm-hmm. with do we not just give the average, do we give some semblance of the spread? But if you click through, they show you the mm-hmm. little bar chart with the distribution, if you really right. care
1: yeah I, it shows that I have not been paying attention to my reviews I, i've i I never really have and that's um yeah i don't know if it's good or bad um but i but uh no it's interesting and and it could be that there's a different format for each medium right um you know phone screen is smaller than a browser and um of course there's also the thing you can't buy a, a kindle book on your phone right. anymore because they don't want to give Apple and Google thirty uh, percent, which understandable. I can yeah. I, I hate that, so I still blame Apple and Google, not not Amazon, for that one. But um, uh, yeah, that, that's that's another change they've made. It's
0: yeah, inconvenient. So, but I, you know, your book's been out for a year plus. Year plus, actually a year and a half. My book's still pretty new. Where I, you know, the the amount of time I spend looking at the sales numbers or the reviews that trails off over time. Yeah, the amount of time I look. Hopefully not the sales trailing (laughs) off. Well, and I'm I'm I I kind of
1: take the attitude of there's not much I can do about it at this point. (laughs) So, um, the book is the book. I'm not going to change it. based on a review and, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep talking about it cause I like talking about it. So that's not going to change based on the numbers. So I've, I, I kind of feel it's, it's like the Red Sox score. Um, although I am, you know, the Red Sox are doing better than Yankees. So, uh, they're fighting for the bottom of the table. I'll still accept that as, as yeah. happy news, but, um, but, yeah, it's not going to change any yeah. decisions. I make. No, I
0: bet Amazon is being much more structured, rigorous, data driven. They're probably doing A-B testing, which, you know, we're, we're not doing mm-hmm. any of those things here. But it's it would be interesting to think, how is Amazon right. evaluating? Is it just purely, OK, how many people click buy based on different ways of showing the ratings?
1: Yeah, I mean, they are very data driven when they come to come to that. But I don't know what they're. I don't know what their hypothesis is. I do assume they yeah. have one because they've been
0: very, very good at that. Um yeah. just don't know what it is. All right. So we will uh I guess next time reflect on these experiments and we'll share feedback and uh and thoughts. So we'll we'll figure that out for episode forty two. Um so let me I guess I'll kick off let me kick off the lean topic today. Again Yeah, talk to come. We a lot of times call this segment in the news. Jamie and I didn't really find anything in the news. So this is just sort of not in the news lean topic prompted by, um, you now I heard something. Maybe it was at the Michigan Lean Consortium Conference. And I'm not intending to be pointing this at any uh, direction of any individual or criticizing anyone specific. But the phrase, not that I heard, but sort of came to mind, you know, because I've been thinking a lot about Psychological safety, reducing fear, you know, kind of related to the mistakes that make us. And there, there's there's often a lot of talk within lean circles around, you know, audits and, uh, you know, the word compliance. If it's not used, it's it's implied. And I like, think, well, is, is some of this like fear driven lean, like do these lean things as a worker or a manager or you're in trouble? Right. They're kind of instilling a little fear of if we catch you not doing these things, we're going, you're, you're in trouble. And, you know, it made me think, uh, you know, the MLC, there was a lot of discussion, actually, of W. Edwards Deming, which is not always the case at a lean conference. Right. But Deming said management should eliminate fear. Toyota was influenced heavily by Dr. Deming, and they say that. And, you know, TPS or lean, it, uh, you know, in my mind, it's supposed to be as helpful to the employees as it is for customers and for the good of the business. So you know, if we're having to force people to do 5S or force managers to go do gamble walks, then there could be a number of things going on. And, and kind of the final thing I'll throw out, and then we'll have a little more back and forth here. But uh, a different Jamie, Jamie Benini, who Jamie Flinchbaugh and I both know from... Uh, MIT circles. Jamie has been Jamie Benini has been at Toyota a long time, and he said once. I don't think this is in writing anywhere, other than when I've cited him saying it. And I I can I I think it is a very direct quote. If employees are upset by it, it it's not really TPS. It's not really lean. So if we're having to force compliance because people aren't happy with these lean uh, methods. Um, I, I think it should prompt maybe some deeper reflection than just the compliance game.
1: Yep. Yeah, and 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 I think there's uh, you know a couple of things to keep in mind uh, in in evaluating this 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 whole question. One, you know, to play to 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 put ourselves in those sort of advocating, they probably wouldn't use the term fear-based. No, no they, would. they would. They would. not how they're selling it they would probably use terms like accountability driven um and 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 things like that and and so I, I i think that becomes an important you know what's the intent behind it uh, and what's the experience of it and i and i think jamie the <laughs> other jamie jamie too <laughs> jamie <Benigni's laughs> quote, um uh, he and i mm-hmm. were at chrysler together quite a quite a long time a decent amount of time and but but I think if the employees are upset by it, it can have have as much to do with what it is as yes. how it's introduced. Yes. Right. And, and so, you know, there's can be there can be a lot of things that we don't naturally just pick up. We don't naturally just love. Um, but if the resistance, if the hatred, if the fear is driven based on what it is or am I afraid of the gamble walk? or am I afraid of the consequences of being made to do the gamble walk or doing the gamble walk and doing it wrong sure. right and and there's a whole de- whole bunch of different layers there about where the could be any or all of those could be any or all of those right and I, and I so I do think uh it is important if 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 you're experiencing this so maybe not from a design standpoint but if you're experiencing this in your company I do think you have to break down the problem yeah. and look at is the fear caused more by what it is or by how it's introduced? I think those are
0: two very different. And, and and I think, you know, I mean, there's, there's the, the Deming recommendation of substitute leadership. And that takes, I think, different forms conversation, right? You know, so if it was, you know, you and me, let's say, you know, you, you were my employee and you're not doing these lean things. I could get punitive real quickly or better yet, is like let's let's have some conversation about this you know, and, and try to really mm-hmm. kind of figure out you know what the barrier is. you know I think of, of times like people don't want a standardized shared toolbox that's 5s and like people are like what well, I've always had my own toolbox for decades. I like having right. my own toolbox. like there's a sense of loss that goes beyond right habit. And, and it could be that, um, you know, it could be, like you said, I've run across managers that, um, are, you know, kind of fear doing things the wrong way. Um, so then, you know, that, mm-hmm. that to me, that comes back to a leadership challenge of um, how do we make it safe to make mistakes and make sure we're coaching people instead of um, punishing them? Like, I don't Did you ever directly deal with the toolbox thing like that? That's hard because like benefits of the company there is not aligned to benefit for the employee.
1: Right. It's, it's, and it was interesting. Um, uh, Cause I, I, I was uh, at an automotive plant. That was the very first OEM plant to get QS 9,000 certified. You know, we had made all our suppliers to it, but no way, none of the OEMs had done it themselves. So I, Actually, not in. I, I was assigned this task, um, but uh, get your site audit uh, certified. And and what we found is torque wrenches, right, which have to be calibrated. Everybody kept uh, often two in in their drawer, uh, one one main, one backup. And there were, I think, like there were three times as many torque wrenches in the in the in the factory as there were actual use cases for them and it made calibration impossible so we had to confiscate them all calibrate them control them all sorts of things but it was there was a lot of resistance and some of it was like well i had a really nice one and now i got back yeah. a crappy one right it's um why you like to hang on to you know that's why loner programs have, often don't work um uh, so yeah i've definitely dealt with a not so much the toolbox thing, but, but versions of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, t- to that fair response of, well, you know, I had a good tool. Now you gave me a crappy tool. It hurts my that's hands. That's a valid concern. That is, Sorry. it's a real concern. Right. And, and so that's, you know, I think there's a natural skepticism when you're getting made to do something about, well, is this really good for me if you need to make me? right? It's just sort of a first response. If this is so, if it's so unlikely that I'm going to say yes and do it on its own merits that you have to make me, then is it actually good for me? Or is there a trick? Is there a catch? Is there something that's going to
0: come back to bite me? I think it's a natural question you start to ask yourself. And and there's similar things that go on with um, operating rooms. If you look at um, surgeon, I mean, they call these preference cards, of like from a manufacturing standpoint would be like I want my own bill of materials to build the product the way I want to build it, and so the discussion um, takes far longer time. But I, you know, I think like what what doesn't work is trying to force the surgeons to change because they have the power to push back in a way that skilled tradespeople in a factory might not. But like when lead surgeons or department chairs. Again, you know, they got to lean into that conversation. And like, to me, again, I think it's like, you know, it's the, the Demingism of substitute leadership. If you're not going to force people to do it, mm-hmm. you've got to lead, you've got to convince, you've got to, I mean, you got to try to figure out how to bring people yep. along, which isn't easy, but it seems like it's much more successful when people take that approach instead of the, I'll call it the fear-based approach to surgical instrument rationalization.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you get, you know, when, when you sort of start off on the wrong foot, and I and I, I I think just like if we're just talking about how it's introduced, the early phase and the sustainability phase can be treated very differently. Uh, you have to think about both when you're when you're doing something, but very often, especially when it's new, uh, you get uh, in in the fear-based model, you get what I call yeah. malicious compliance, which is where people do it right but they
0: don't do it with good intent. I mean, um, it's the they, intent's they, more of just like, I mean, they're not trying. Well, when you say not with, not, not with good intent, sorry to interrupt, but I, mean, I, think, I think of it being as more yeah. indifferent. Like I don't care. I'll check the box.
1: Yeah. But, I think there's a range. I think there's a range from, you know, I'll take the box, which means it probably didn't do what you wanted it to do to actually, you know, bad intentions. Um, that, that take you in the wrong direction on purpose. Um, you know, y- years and years ago, I, we had a, uh, a five-why report. It was required for anything more than one yeah. minute of downtime. And, and I've, I've ri- actually written about this probably in my book, but I know elsewhere. I always forget right. what's in the book and what isn't. But, um, uh, but he, would, he would just do a five-whys and he would always conclude with not enough resources. <laughs> It didn't matter where it started, could be a yeah. broken conveyor, could be, you know, a faulty circuit, could be the tire room was down, but it went to not enough resources. He was just, he was just toying with the process on purpose. I mean, he might have but, legitimately thought that was the root cause, but good luck with that, right? I mean, Well, yeah, he, he, he definitely had a complaint and, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was probably true. It just wasn't, uh, it probably wasn't the cause of that, that particular issue. Um, and and around that same time, you know, I I think this, this resulted, uh, this, this other story was probably more of people just trying to meet the standard, just any way possible. You know, I just, I want to tick the box, but I need to do it in a way that doesn't kill me. Um, so years ago, when we were starting the, the Chrysler operating system journey, we, we had a consultant. I don't you know, it, I'm sure it's a very different, I don't even know if the firm's around anymore, honestly. So I don't mind saying, saying this, I'm sure everybody that was part of this decision is retired, but um, TBM uh, came in uh, behind Shigeru Jitsu and convinced the CEO uh, at the mm-hmm. time, Bob Eaton, uh, not the most engaged CEO we've ever seen that every plant should do a hundred Kaizans a year. Um, and, you know, I, I think honestly the intent was, well, you're going to need help yeah, with that. Yeah. We, we can, we can help. You know, I'm always a stickler that. for this. And they meant 100 Kaizen events. 100 Kaizen events. Yes. And, and this was in the whole, you know, uh, original teaching model of of, you know, week long, week long facilitated events uh, run by, run by a master. And so, you know, most, most of these, uh, most of these sites didn't have uh really didn't have the resources to do that well, but they also knew the CEO said, this is the standard. Um, And so it it got to the point where any meeting that lasted over lunch was called a Kaizen (laughs) just to be able to go, yep, Uh, there we go. We had this long, you know, layout meeting. We had this long staffing meeting, whatever it was, call that a Kaizen and meet the hundred because the, the, there, there was no reward for meeting the hundred, but there was just punishment for not. So, you know, make sure that, make sure we're, we're not, we don't fall on the wrong now, side of Now, you um, know,
0: back to the, you know, the the points you raised earlier, if we were to lean in and ask, well, you know, well, why, why would people not enthusiastically embrace this? I've never been the the biggest Kaizen event runner or advocate. I think it fits in, you know, to a a lean methodology just fine. But, you know, some organizations make everything a Kaizen event. And I think that that's a topic for a different day, maybe. But, you know, to think back, well, was it, was the chant, was the issue the what it was, or the how it was introduced? Did people think the Kaizen events were not going to be helpful? Did they think they didn't really have problems? Did they think we can't, perform better? Did they have that fear of doing the event wrong? It could have been, again, any or all of those, right?
1: Yeah. And I, I think that, again, you break down a problem and look at, you know, look at the cause. And a, and a big part of it was they wanted to do them well, right? They did believe they worked. But they also saw, especially in that environment, I mean, you had to you had to hold the hand of the UAW every step of the way or, or the Canadian art workers that I often dealt with at Windsor, Um, you had to hold their hand, you had to get them on board. You needed to make sure that you had all, you know, you knew the boundary conditions and you weren't walking down, you know, off a cliff there. And, you know, there was still, there was engineering work that went behind them and, and, and layout work and capital expense occasionally. And, um, yeah, we just, there weren't the resource to do it well. Well, Oh, there you go. that Um, was
0: there, lack of resources, but, Who's, who's going to facilitate the events, right? Was it going to be a hundred TBM weeks? Well, and that was, yeah. And that's probably might've been what they
1: wanted. Um, unfortunately, they had already been uh, kicked out of many sites. And so uh, for, uh, and so they, they weren't, they weren't welcome there, which meant um, you could get some outside resources, but uh, still only, only so much, so much leadership to go around. But but that's the thing is, you know, you, you get the 100 Kaizen events, at least you think you do, because you, you insisted on it, um, but you get malicious mm-hmm. compliance. You get,
0: I'll give you your 100, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to do it well. Right. So, I mean, you can count events. There's lots of things that could be counted, um, different metrics. What, what do you think, Jamie, is like the best metric for lean acceptance or lean progress?
1: Yeah, so so it it sort of falls right into the vein of this uh, question mm-hmm. around forcing it, and and that is um, a, a metric that you can never measure, yeah. <laughs> and that is uh, the voluntary to involuntary ratio. How much does it just happen because uh, somebody decided it was good for them at that time versus how much was forced? And when I say forced, I could just mean like, hey, we have a standard of every time we ship a bad quality product, we do a A3. Okay. Well, that's that's a system sure. force, right? It's like, that's the system requirement. But the amount that you drive between training, facilitation, triggers, the management system, whatever it is, if, if more than that is going on just because people believe it works, you're in mm-hmm. really good shape. And When I say you can't actually measure it, as soon as you started (laughs) measuring it,
0: it would become almost all forced, and so it would want to count it as voluntary. That was voluntary. Jamie, put that down in the in the uh, voluntary. Put that put that down in that category. So, so I, I think it's an evaluation,
1: you know, ratio essentially. But but I think that's that's how you know. And so the goal is to get it more driven by the culture, driven by the behaviors. Rather than driven by the system, and and it's not one or the other. It's just a balance where more of it is towards the the culture and behavior.
0: Yeah. And I think if you look at a Kaizen culture, and I'm using that word word to mean little small improvements, and like the Masaki Mi Norm Bodak, everybody everywhere every day, not just small improvements, but there better be a lot of small improvements. And when you see that really take root and thrive in a culture, that participation is voluntary, right? It's encouraged, it's supported, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people are improving things. I think of our examples that Joe Schwartz and I shared from Healthcare Kaizen, improvements that were very self-motivated because it was good for the parents or for the families of child uh, patients, good for the employees, also good for the organization. It was encouraged. They would count them. But there, like, there's two things that go wrong. I think when leaders say, like, "Oh, well, we have to incentivize, we have to give financial rewards, or we have to set a quota," like, you really don't like it you know, when you tap into, especially in healthcare. And I think like, intrinsic motivation exists in other industries. Um, you, you, it's more of like getting out of the way and allowing people to do what they want to do. Where I've seen two different problems with like with the quotas. Um, like for one, like if people have to do for a year, they're going to start doing trivial kaizens It's just check the box. And now you're doing bureaucratic stuff that has no value or, and then this was more surprising. I think the first time I ran across it, if the goal is for a year and it's November and I've got an idea for a fifth and a sixth and a seventh Kaizen, I'm going to hold those back until January because I don't know what next year's quote is going to be. And I don't know if I'm going to have enough ideas and like, then that. That's problematic, yeah. too. So these things like, you know, assume, it's a bad assumption, I think, that you need financial rewards. And, and and I think, you know, quotas can cause as many problems as they're solving.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I think, you know, partly there's a desire to go do something, right? And so quotas feel like an easy thing to do. Incentives feel like an easy thing to do. And, and they're both, in those cases, yeah. a substitute for leadership, right? Uh, coaching, engagement, right. things like that. Um, and, and it's not that, mo- you know, not that incentives themselves are wrong, but incentivizing improvement, I think, k- gets very, very tricky um, for all the reasons you stated. Um, you know, when you start to look at, you know, is our account going up or down? Uh, it, you, you don't necessarily set a goal. I like to think the difference between an indicator and a metric is whether Mm. you have a goal or not. And so, Hey, is the number going up or down? Well, let's be curious about if it is and why, right? That's different than setting a quota says, this is what we have to hit. Um, And, and as for all the reasons you said, you set that quota, you start to get there. I do think quotas can work short term to Mm-hmm. initiate behavior right um and what i mean so let me let me give you one example of this so there's a company i was working with years and years ago um and and they had a good system it, it it's uh, a quick side story is their system made me curious about building good data systems for improvement which eventually led me to find Kinexis. Yeah. um so as sort of the origin story for my relationship with Conexus, uh, at least finding Conexus. But when um, what we found in the data was that a lot of people had done zero mm-hmm. improvements in this system. And then a lot of other people had done two or sure. more. The only, pe- not almost the only people who had done one were mm-hmm. just getting started. And so the conclusion or at least the, the hypothesis coming out of that was that once people got to do one, it wasn't so scary. And they weren't, they, they were self-motivated to yeah. do a second and a third. And so we did have a quota of everyone doing one just to get them out of the gate and doing something. And then that was, you know, then take your, you know, then let that take over and, and then work on other motivations yeah. to move you forward from there. And, and I, so I think there's, I'll call it micro, but tactical forcing functions that can work in periods yeah. of time, but not for the
0: duration and not the primary mechanism. Yeah. And I think that's a reasonable middle ground of you know, getting the ball rolling and then letting people choose to participate when they see benefits. But I mean, I think, you know, as much as we want voluntary activity, I mean, I think there is a time and a place where leadership has to set standards like, you know, that uh, lean isn't this free for all. Everyone gets to do whatever they want. Um, Like when it comes to, let's say, Mm -hmm. safety glasses, a classic example of manufacturing. If somebody says, well, I don't feel unsafe. I don't think there's danger. I don't think safety glasses would help. I mean, there's there's right. a time and a place where you have to draw the line. Now you might try to make um, all sorts of arguments or give them data, or information that would help them decide it's now voluntary, you know, in their mind. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think you know you, you you've you've got to pick and choose where you're drawing the line, as opposed to always forcing a five wise or an A three.
1: Yeah, and and I think a big difference there is you know, someone can be successful Mm -hmm. at it. Right. I think that's a really important distinction because, you know, putting on your safety glasses, you, you know, how to, right. You, you can't fail at it. You can Mm -hmm. just fail to do it. Um, and, and so I think there are things where, for example, you know, once you've developed a standard, you've proven that we can follow this standard. So therefore, follow it there's some accountability yeah. there right and and you should be held accountable to follow the standard you don't just deviate from it because you feel like it um, but again you've you've all already proven that that standard is feasible functional etc and especially if there's a mechanism for someone to draw attention to a failure in the standard then it's not then it's not a matter of motivation. It's a matter of expectation. It's a very different yeah. equation. To
0: solve. And, you know, th- sometimes some education goes uh, a little way. You know, I think, you know, we, you had put in the notes, like talking about an example around, um, you know, toothbrushing. And I stumbled across an article recently um, talking about two mistakes people make brushing their teeth. One is they don't wet the toothbrush first. Now you could force compliance and say then, oh, that toothbrush better be wet or you're grounded. Well, then there's there's you know reasoning from a dentist of the wet toothbrush allows the toothpaste to foam better, it gets spread more evenly, like there, there's an effectiveness reason to wet your toothbrush. And then the second thing, and I've I've like, oh, okay, this is one I need to learn from. If you use a, a toothpaste that's really got an intense minty or intense strong flavor, there might be times where you're tempted to maybe like rinse your mouth. You got that cup of water by the sink. And the dentist was like, don't do Mm -hmm. that because you want the lingering fluoride coating on your teeth to stay there. You really, you don't want to rinse that away. So the one countermeasure, if you feel the need like I have to rinse my mouth, maybe I need a toothpaste that's effective, but doesn't leave that Sensation of like oh I want to rinse my mouth, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, and, and I think those are you know about finding optimal solutions based on a pre-existing mm-hmm. habit, which is actually mm-hmm. brushing your teeth, right? But like as parents, you don't you don't try to convince your kid that they should brush their teeth. Yeah. You just make them right. Mm-hmm. And then once it's either a habit or it's a valued habit, right? To your point of well, what is you know, I, I value my teeth. Um, I, I want to take care of them. I, I consciously take, you know, do, do the steps. Then you're trying to find the optimal solutions to doing that. Um, and that is, you know, much better, you know, finding improvements on that standard, that base standard, very much a motivation, self-motivation equation, but getting to that base standard of you have to brush your teeth, um, you know, that, that's, that's one of those non-optional ones. It's, Hey, you know, your toothbrush is dry. you Get out of bed, go brush your teeth. You have to brush your teeth. That's just a requirement. I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm not going to try to negotiate. I'm not going to
0: try to motivate you. It's just, it's just what's expected. Um, there's a lot, I mean, you know, there's a lot of gray area, you know, as much as I want to paint it, is black and white, you know, it should never be forced, it should never be fear based or whatever more polite term we're using. Um, I mean, there may, I think here's how I would summarize it there might be times where compliance is necessary, but I don't think a broad general compliance culture is how anyone gets to really be successful, let alone world class as an organization. You have to do more than compliance. You're right. Absolutely. I I think that's important. And
1: I I think there is a trade off between, uh, you know, early progress and sustainable progress, right? You can, you can absolutely make more immediate progress with accountability and expectations, but you've, you've made people do things to get out of the gate that aren't necessarily the reasons they would continue to do even more of it, right? So, you know, what's, you know, are are we going to get a lot of people making 50 improvements in a year if we expect them to make five? Um, Probably not, right? So if it's, oh, we expect you to have all made your first one so you know how to do it. And from there, you know, we're going to support you and help you Will we have as many in our first year? No. Are we more likely to get people doing 50? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Because they, they know it's,
0: yeah, because it works. And I take no issue with that. But the thing I will climb up on a soapbox on and rant and rave about is like, especially like the bad Office 5S that I've blogged about. And I've, you know, did that animated video about 5S and the Office gone wrong, which has been seen. Right. Like there, there there's no piece of work I've ever done that's been seen by more people than that silly. I mean, I think it has an important point: animated video. I think it's had more than yes. a quarter million views, and people talk to me about it all the time. But you know there's things you know back to the question of, is there any benefit? Is this good really good for the company, for the customers, for the employees, when um, companies have rules like you can't hang a sweater on the back of your chair? you can't have family photos at your desk like to me that's just all that's all bs it's not how's that? it's not 5s it's bs it's 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 not 5s um
1: Yeah, it it's um i, I still remember a, a company where uh, their their internal lean person was just berated by the company chairman uh, because he's like i'm not putting tape right. around my stapler like my, st- you know, nobody comes in my office and steals my stapler. No, right. And he, you know, he, he did not deliver the message in a, in a polite way, but I think he was, I think he was legitimately worried. Are we telling everyone this? Cause he didn't think it yeah. made a lot of sense. Um, you know, my office is, is neat and tidy, but there's almost no labels because, you know, no that, one shares the space. Shared me, work right? space. <laughs> so not a shared workspace. And so, you know, we have these things that, um, you know, we have to understand. I, I, I've always said accountability, people don't mind accountability. If it's fair, meaning it's equally applied across the board and I'm just going to hold you accountable, but not these people. And it's not arbitrary. Uh, to your point, it's not about the wrong thing. And, You know, when we start taking 5S and too far or on the wrong things um, that don't have a material impact, then uh, then, yeah, people, they're going to you're going to have to make them because they just know it's stupid right from the start. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, It, it, it gets people it gives lean a bad name. When 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 things like that are being forced and um, it's a shame, but oh, I was thinking of um, like there's this conundrum or like, I'm totally with you around individual desk versus shared workspaces now I've seen some lean facilitators in some organizations in their individual office or cubicle that's not shared they do all the five se things. That they would want someone doing let's say at a nurse's station or shared workspaces and they'll say well i've got to do the thing we're asking others to do it's that's a good example I'm like, well sort of Fair but point. i could also see the argument of like should we be de- should we be demonstrating the principle of we all do the same thing or the principle of we use the right countermeasures for the right situation
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think in that particular case, given that it doesn't cost much, right. Going back to our experiments, what's the cost of the lean champion five S in their office? Not, not much. Right. So I'm, I'm okay with that as a, you know, we're all in this together, uh, kind of, uh, kind of role modeling. Um, but I, I also think, um, you know, what you said of, are we solving the right problems, right? If their, if their desk is nice and tidy, but their email inbox is an absolute, (laughs) you know, hot mess, then, okay, well, you haven't, you haven't solved the the important problem, I think. Um, So I, I think you also have to do what you're talking about, which is apply it, apply it with
0: sense in a way that, people understand why they're doing it. One other quick example, this is more about like material flow than, than 5S. I'm a huge fan of Kanban. I've set up Kanban systems and manufacturing and healthcare and Kanban and the, you know, the formal Kanban cards and visual management. It's all great. At home, you know, one of my jobs, internal supply chain is making sure the bathroom is always restocked with toilet paper, not running out, right? And so the pull signal is not when the last square is on the last tube on the holder. Um, You know, my wife and I have a pretty good process here where if if the last roll has been put on the holder, the pull signal is not a formal printed laminated Kanban card. Um, The Kanban signal, which is visual and I know it and it works for us. There's a paper towel holder with a little lid and cover. That lid cover goes on my sink. In the bathroom and i see it and i know i don't need to run that instant right but by the end of the day i should i know it's my job to restock the toilet paper right so i think contextually a it works but b we're not being overly formal of saying oh well you have to have a kanban card and we have to put a tape outline around where the toilet paper goes because we don't right no you don't it's
1: you have a system it works it's still a Kanban, right? But um, it's, it's not, it's, and, I'll, I'll, I'll and, add, it's not a fear-based system. <laughs> and it's not a fear-based system, which um, I have a fear of trying to implement Kanban in my house. So that's a different problem that we won't, we, we won't try to solve tonight. So, um, no, and that, and that becomes important in that, in that case. That's why it works. It's never used as a weapon. It's just a simple way to be yeah. on the same page. Cool. Excellent. So, uh, so don't force it. Don't apply lean with a broad brush. Think about what you're doing. Think about why other people are doing what they're doing, and how do you help them move forward? And
0: uh, and you'll make some mistakes. Expect to okay make too. mistakes. Yeah, I know someone's yep. written a book about that recently. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. I think there's a book. Okay. So we've done, uh, I think a lot of lean talk. You want to do some whiskey talk? Do you want to tee that up, Jamie?
1: Well, let's do some whiskey talk. So, um, this isn't how we got to our theme. Um, but I did mention earlier that Everton might cause me to drink (laughs) more whiskey, um, which might mean I need some cheaper whiskey. Um, so our, our, our theme is the least expensive. I, I think I, I originally proposed cheapest, but cheap implies that it's sure. bad, I think. So least expensive, the lowest price whiskey currently on your
0: shelf. Um, and, and, and I wanted so, to add so in the implied, and I put it in parentheses in the show notes, the least expensive whiskey that you would actually sip. So I've got some whiskeys I would make cocktails yeah. with. Well, okay, and, and I
1: think that's so. I'll 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 state my exception here is that I bought what I bought to mix, um, right? So um, it's not bad. Okay. I'm i change, I changed the rules on you midstream here. Sorry. No, that's that's. I think it's an important distinction. I I, I think is it, is it is it something you'd be willing to sip, mm-hmm. right? or is it something you pull off the shelf and go like yeah I'm going to I'm going to pour this tonight. So so mine probably is not. I bought mm-hmm. it as a mixer. Um I don't I have I've had I've not minded drinking it throughout this episode. I also wasn't, you know, blown away. It's actually the first time oh, I've had okay. it not as a mixer. So that's a different experiment, <laughs> right? Different experiment, but that's that's okay. I I, I wanted to try it. Um I, I heard good things about it. I had never had a bottle, um, and you know, I kind of bought it because you know when I make some of my mixers, I which I don't do a lot of, to be honest. Um, you know, it, the whiskey is not an afterthought, but it doesn't all come through. So you don't want you know you don't want a fifty dollar pour of of a uh, you know just just for have it to fade away yeah. to other ingredients. So that's why I bought it. Also wanted to try it. This was a great, great excuse to do that.
0: Um, so, so my choice is Rebel. Yeah, hold it more in the middle of the screen. We changed our video format. Here we go. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Right. So Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, it's a weeded bourbon, and
1: uh, also making it sort of good for for certain mixers. It's 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 only mm-hmm. eighty proof, which is as low as you can go. Yeah. For those that don't know, that's the lowest you can go and still right. call it a whiskey. And it drinks, mm-hmm. it drinks light. Um, for those on our, you know, on video, that probably saw me yeah. pull it up to my lips a few times. It's it's not the darkest in sure. the world. That's okay. It's not. It's not about. I mean, my my Glen Grant eighteen year old is is yeah. softer than this yeah. <laughs> looking. So. Um, and uh, not a lot, not a strong aftertaste. Um, very easy sipper. If 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 I felt like I was going to sit down and just sip on whiskey for a long period of time, I could get away with this. And again, being eighty proof, you could drink more of it and not hmm. feel the effects. Yeah. Well, so uh, you know, it's it's it's
0: good. This probably would be the last yeah. time I pour it. <laughs> you know as it not being a mixer well and and so this is from uh, and this is a name i've heard a lot of here in northern kentucky Lux row um distillers and actually and i should well it's not with the theme but maybe for another time um i do have the rebel bourbon that's like the 12 year double barrel age that's like the high-end version Mm. of uh of, of rebel and uh I forget what it costs, but, you know, it's really rich. It's really good. And, you know, Luxro makes some other brands like Blood Oath. There's different releases of, of that. So and some of those are really pricey, but like a lot of distilleries, they've got, you know, the inexpensive stuff and their higher end release.
1: Yeah, so I'm, sh- I'm sure this is the high yeah. volume runner um, and, and and most of the other products they make are not mainstream things that most people have heard of but I, I this will pain me to use this analogy and i so i probably shouldn't but um as a former frequent flyer on delta when i say frequent right. i mean very frequent um their scotch of choice is yeah, doer's right. white label which is no, it's, which it's, which, it's, which i can if you put it in a cocktail i can go right. that's doer's white label yeah i, I know it's it, it's delta scotch that's what i it's not great, yeah. not terrible. Right? It's 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 not great. That's definitely true. But their their high oh. end stuff is yeah. fantastic.
0: Age age statement just, doers, twelve yeah. or eighteen, um, yeah. become really right. fantastic. But this is you know this is nineteen dollars
1: in in Pennsylvania state stores. I don't know if that makes it more expensive yeah. elsewhere. But you know nineteen dollars for for a bottle. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I've bought anything cheaper than that. I, I'm, I probably yeah. haven't. <laughs> uh, I know that there are some cheaper things than that. Um, at least, at least in the last couple of decades, but, um, you know, $19 easy purchase, quite good. You know, in the end, like I said, would I pour this? Cause I want to enjoy my whiskey.
0: Probably not, but it is not bad at any, any measure. Okay. And so I think I would point. say the, the same for what I had. And there's, uh, you know, I, I, I had a couple choices, right? I have a couple inexpensive ryes out there that I, I use to make cocktails. Old Overholt rye, which I think has Pennsylvania yes. roots. Yes, Overholt was uh, out by Pittsburgh. Um,
1: that's its origins. Um, the Frick family, I think. Uh, with steel and Pennsylvania railroad and all of that. It was all of that ties. I'm sometimes bad yeah. at my history facts, but uh, all that was tied together. It's not
0: made there anymore, but it's, it's a Western Pennsylvania okay. origin. Yeah. name. am um, so, the, you know, there are a couple of choices, but um, what, what I drank here is from the Buffalo trace distillery. And th- th- this is a, a label that I, before I reveal it, I only learned about within the past year, being here in northern Kentucky, uh, the good people at the Cincinnati Airport, which is in Kentucky, um, the uh, cork and bottle is uh, the shop in, in the terminal. And they do a little tasting bar and you can buy bottles and it's past security and it's it's, yeah. it's really slick and they're really helpful. So people come in all day long acting for, you know, uh, the, the, the most famous, most expensive Buffalo Trace product is Pappy Van Winkle. And then you've got which, which is really about I mean it's made yeah, by Buffalo it's, Trace but we won't oh we won't you've got you know their antique collection and the Weller releases and those are really hard to find and the secondary market prices are outrageous and then you've got humble little buffalo trace which is typically about 23 dollars a bottle if you can find a retail which like in Texas you cannot that's starting to change a little bit but yeah, Pennsylvania either. When it's we lived really in L.A., you could find Buffalo Trace at any Ralph's grocery store or CVS, often on sale for like $20.99 with your discount card. Um, why. Yeah. <laughs> very unfair. Very um, unfair. But so the guys at the airport told me that there is a brand um, produced by Buffalo Trace, and there are a number of varieties of it. So this is Benchmark Whiskey. It's a very Jack Daniels-looking shaped bottle and even kind of the label. Uh, which, which is a yeah, turnoff, I would uh, say. You know, it's bonded, it's bottle and bond. So they do a couple different releases. They do the lower proof. This is um, 100 proof, 50% ABV. They've got a barrel proof benchmark. But basically, like my understanding is that this is younger Buffalo Trace. It's the same mash yeah. bill, um, which is like you know, mash bill number one, 10% rye. Buffalo Trace, even though it doesn't have an age statement, is said to be seven to eight years old. And this is four years old, but it's four air- years old, yeah.
1: Which it has to be yeah. to be bottled in bond.
0: It has to be budget proof you know, Kentucky straight year. bourbon whiskey, and um, you know it meets all those requirements. But you know, I mean, it's only five dollars less than Buffalo Trace, but yeah, you know, it's a bottom shelf whiskey. But um, this it was it was enjoyable. It wouldn't be my go-to but I think for the price, that's one mm-hmm. thing I've enjoyed being here in Kentucky. You go to tastings and some of these distilleries will bring out their sub $20 bottles like heaven Hill mm-hmm. distillery. Right. Um, they can and you know make, make whiskey. That's um, pretty good and a, a really great value. So that was, that was my, ch- my choice today. Benchmark bonded. You can find it definitely for under 20 bucks.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard good things about benchmark. Um, I've, I've never found the right bottle at the right time to buy or, or my cart was already yeah. full, but, uh, um, but it, it'll, it'll be on my, on, on my list to purchase, uh, for sure. I'd, I'd, I'd like to yeah. give that a try. Um, you know, I'm not, Elijah Craig's often, I mean, I know Elijah Craig's, Craig's more expensive than rebel, but, um, that's often been one of yeah. my sort of go-to's for for mixers, um, but, and, and and Rebel does is right. is soft. Uh, it, it it doesn't really come through. But I'd I'd like to try the Benchmark Bonded. I mean, Bonded alone, you know, it's four years.
0: You know, it's hundred yeah. proof. It's that, that's, that's part of the, the the joy of the bottled and Bonded. Uh, uh, and Elijah Stanford. Craig is one of those names, and and for me also Maker's Mark. Like the base product is fine, but then when you get something with more age on it, you know, it can be or, or not. Uh, I was actually thinking of Knob's Creek, Knob Creek. A couple of mistakes there, all rolled together. Um, like, the next time you're here, Jamie, or maybe this is a theme for a future episode, same product with maybe like two different age statements. It would compare and contrast. Mm, so like, a fun yes. compare would be plain old Elijah Craig and, let's say, Elijah Craig with an age statement. If you can find Elijah Craig 18 or, you know, basic Knob Creek versus Knob Creek 15. Um, right. Fun experiment. And scotch is, you know, scotch True. is easier to do True. that with um,
1: because, you know, they they have age statements for everything pretty much. I mean, some of their blendeds, of course, they don't. But, I mean, it's almost been more popular to have more that aren't age statements. But anyway, Scotch is much easier to do age, age comparisons. And, and, uh, it, it is fun to do an age comparison because 15 to 18 in the same, same brand can be quite a bit of difference and you wouldn't expect to be as much as it is. And then
0: there's the question of how much aging becomes too much.
1: Right. Which, which we've debated less on the show, more in preparations for shows. (laughs) as we've both considered excessively aged uh, and, and even more excessively priced uh, whiskeys. Um, And, and it really seems at a certain point, you're, you're, you're uh, paying for the statement. It It makes a statement.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) The, oh, I've got to tell you though, but um, this was uh, a, a poor, of this was gifted to me. Some friends were in town and friend of that friend, and like it was being very generous. We're at a restaurant um that had mictors 20. 20-year 20 wow. mictors And um it was it, it was he was generous to buy pours of it, and I'd always wanted to try it. But here's the catch: at the mictors distillery in downtown Louisville, and they have a bar and a tasting room. Do you know what the guess the price of a pour of 20 years Micter's at Micter's? $750. There is that little of it. It's a supply and demand. It's more expensive than a pour of Pappy 23 would be at the downtown Louisville hotels. So I'm never paying that much for a pour. We were at a restaurant where it was $150 a pour, which is damn expensive. But, like okay, he was willing to buy and, like uh, you know, uh, great. And, and it was, yep. it was phenomenal. Was it objectively 10 times better than a, a regular Mictors that you'd get for 15? That's very subjective, but um, I, I am appreciative that um, yeah, that, that he was being super generous and he wanted to try it, but we talk about making a statement though. He had a bottle at home that he had bought and it's, you can do the math of like how much that bottle probably costs and he'd never opened it. But sometimes Mm -hmm. people, I mean, this is a gentle criticism. Sometimes people want the bragging rights that they've bought this or that they have this and Hey, teach their own. But so he finally got to taste it at this restaurant, which is part of why he was willing to buy it and kind of share. And again, like we didn't have to open it. (laughs) He well, said, "I've had it." I so then I even asked even him, "Are you more likely or less likely to actually open that bottle?" And he's like, "Well, probably less likely." Like he's not looking to sell. He's not trying to buy and sell. I don't. I. I, I don't know. Like I.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it. You know, for, to each their own. It's your money. You it's do your what whiskey. you want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a whiskey. You can't you do take what you it with, want you. with it. You want to store it? Can't take it with you. But to me. You know, cars are meant <laughs> to be driven. Uh, whiskeys are meant to be drunk, drunk, and oh, drinking. Boy. How much have you had this? Uh, I, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just. I was, I was looking for, for for a a good alliteration or something, but um, yeah, it's it's having a bottle unopened is uh is definitely not
0: my thing. Yeah, they're there to be opened yeah.
1: and enjoyed.
0: Well, very good. So, well, we've there's still all kinds of themes we can explore. I don't know if we've done this yet. Maybe next time we can go back in the other direction of like something that's at the more expensive end of what you've got. We can
1: certainly do. I think we can both uh, find something uh, unnecessarily expensive on. And shops. I will
0: never own a bottle of Michter's Twenty. I can guarantee that. But, it was, but that's where, it, like, it was really <laughs> special, you know, to try it. And okay, life goes on. Yep, Uh, I'm I'm with you. I have not tried it, but I
1: I still would have to pass on the bottle. Um, I'm I'm thinking I'll I'll enjoy a restaurant for, but I won't have it at the store. Um, It's
0: a movie of our generation, Ferris Bueller, where he's talking about the uh, his friends' dads. Was it a Ferrari in the movie? And he says like, "Oh, you know, if you ever get the chance to drive one, like it's what he says oh, it's it's really choice."
1: Yes, and it is, and and it should be driven. Um, there, there's 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 museum pieces, yep. but leave that to the museum. We'll just piece.
0: roll back the miles. Problem solved. Just put it in <laughs> reverse. <laughs>
1: we'll just we'll just refill the bottle with add some food coloring, and we'll call it a day. All right. Well, um, experiment. Uh, I'm going to say concluded because that we actually have to get feedback to conclude it, but experiment. We, we, we uh, planned completed. and
0: did. Now we've got to study and maybe adjust. And maybe
1: adjust. We'll find out. So please give us feedback. Uh, let, you, let us know if you like the new format. If you watched in video, uh, let us know if you enjoyed that new format. Um, and uh, we'll continue to experiment. Uh, no apologies for that. Um, we will We'll we'll do experiments. I don't want to say continuously, yeah. but regularly, and some of them will work. And some this of them could will be not.
0: a new direction or that detour. Where someday we'll say, "Remember that one time, Jamie, when we held the whiskey talk to the end?"
1: We well, yeah. Remember that one time when we <laughs> did pour over coffee. Um, <laughs> Remember all
0: the hate mail we got. No, that's probably not likely. But but do let us know what you think mark at markraven.com or yep. jamie at JFlinch.com. yep and on anything honestly yeah. we love to hear from
1: we love to hear from people um i know we see the statistics but you know we we still like to hear actual people who listen so uh any feedback is, is and is even welcome. if it's just um, um
0: like jamie said earlier and we've said a lot we do the podcast mostly for ourselves but i do appreciate when, when people say something or send a note or a little LinkedIn message or something, it's just um, nice to hear from, from people who are listening and um, enjoying what we're trying to do here or what we are doing. So. All right.
1: You've got it. So to, uh, to our least expensive whiskeys on our shelves uh, and to all of our listeners and to experimentation. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to Lean Whiskey. To learn more or find more episodes, visit leanwhiskey.com, spelled either K-E-Y or K-Y. You can also visit leanblog.org slash leanwhiskey or jflinch.com slash leanwhiskey. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We are very grateful for every rating, review,
1: and follow. Until our next episode, cheers!